X メンとは悪の脅威から人類を守り人類とミュータントの平和的共存を実現するために組織されたミュータントヒーローチームであるシャーwelcome 100 episode listeners to the danger room the x-men comics commentary podcast my name's adam my name's jeremy whoa oh i'm gonna do the whole 100th episode like this because i'm on top of a building talking through a megaphone what have you done to jeremy and who is this new co-host no it's jeremy i'm just doing the episode through a megaphone i'm live casting it wow well I mean, it's always sort of live. It's live when I do it. No, I'm literally on the street corner doing the podcast right now. Outside of your house, wherever you are. Oh, yeah. I'm waiting for the listeners to show up. So far, it's just the police who are telling me I have to go into my house. Oh, that's sad. Uh, I'm going to go into my house. Hang on. All right, Adam, I'm in my house. Oh, good. <laughs> I was really looking forward to a nice live megaphoned version of the Danger Room for the 100th uh, monumental episode, but um, it looks like the fates are uh, commiserating against me. I'm I'm sorry. There's there's nothing I could do. Everybody's over here though. Woo, yeah. <laughs> commiserating or conspiring? I'm gonna go with conspiring. I think commiserating was the wrong word. I think you commiserate over a beer. And that's what we're doing over here. It's a party. <laughs> All right, party fans. Let's let's do this thing, Adam. Give us the details on this marvelous episode or issue that we're just about to read. This is Uncanny X-Men number 118, February 1979, issue on sale November 14th of 1978. And it is titled The Submergence of Japan. Oh my god. On the cover, it says that we are side-by-side side with Sunfire. So it's fitting on an anniversary episode to get kind of a reunion with a, a former X-Man. And Sunfire is getting the crap blasted out of him in the cover by somebody's finger. Yeah, some yellow dude. I'm assuming it's the uh, original Iron Man armor, only yellow. <laughs> or or a new supervillain named Golden Finger. Beware the gold fingers. Hey, is that Sean Connery back there? It is. That's, uh, yeah, playing Cyclops. This, <laughs> okay. This week will be Sean Connery. Sean Connery. I, I, don't, uh, I don't do a Sean Connery accent. I was oh. trying to think of it, but I, I can't figure it out. Oh, there was a word. I sure would like some tea. <laughs> I don't know. There was a word that it was a good keyword off of Saturday Night Live, and for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. So, boo on the improv. Jolly ho. Moving on. Nothing too exciting about this cover. It's uh, Storm, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Colossus looking on as uh, as Sun, as we mentioned, Sunfire gets blasted away by the Golden Fingered Man. We turn the page and we have some... Well, this doesn't look like John Byrne at all. No. I don't know who this is, but uh, I'm told on the next page, and I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit, that uh, it, it it is indeed by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. And you know what we're learning here is that Terry Austin is a fabulous inker. 
Oh, Rick Villamonte is guest inking, and that's why everything looks weird. Yeah, he's, uh, I guess Terry uh, Austin adds a lot to the, I mean, you could definitely see the style still is John Byrne. Occasionally, like on the first page, Wolverine looks like a Neanderthal, but mostly everybody looks like a John Byrne-esque guy just with a lot less detail than usual yeah so i wonder if that's really what the inker's job is to do is to just cover up like all of the oopsies of the artist well, i think it depends on the inker no i'm kidding the inker of course comes in and adds depth and and uh all that sort of stuff to a character so yeah and wieners and, and what and wieners <laughs> wow i don't know what comics you've been reading i don't think i've seen a <laughs> wiener yet in the x-men well, this was the 100th episode. I had to get the word wiener into the podcast <laughs> oh, okay. somehow. So as uh, we left off last issue, the X-Men were, um, yeah, heading, well, they were rescued by these Japanese folks. I think it was alluded to in classic X-Men that they were surprised at what they were seeing. But all of that aside, here are the X-Men, and they are indeed surprised at what they see. Uh, it and, is, in fact, six weeks later, according yes. to this caption. And they've made a lot of friends. And uh, now their friends are weeping and cursing and praying for, for that what they see is only a nightmare and that it isn't real. What do they see? Well, first, I'd like to say that we're, we're very formulaic once again. We get a full-page spread on page one. Page two is where we actually get to see what it is we're all surprised about, and that's a two-page spread. Well, this is John Byrne's thing. He didn't do it last issue, but... He did he, do it last issue. Know. He did do it last issue. No, last oh, issue we didn't get a two-page spread. We only got the one-page spread. You're right. Not bad. You're right. All right, so he doesn't use it all the time. Three out of four, though. Well, yeah, it's definitely his... It, there's definitely a pattern emerging of of what you just described. I agree. So what they are looking at is uh, Japan is on fire. Yeah, it's hard to t really tell what's going on. I mean, we we see a lot of smoke, and it's red smoke, so we have to ass assume that everything's on fire. Um, mainly is because uh, Colossus says there it's on fire. But he does say, Aurora, is there nothing we can do? And she says, I know, my friend. I dare not even try. I wonder why she doesn't want to try. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Colossus also adds that they're 10 kilometers from shore, and it is hot as a open blast furnace. So something. This is the second time that Chris Claremont has used ten kilometers. He has a ten kilometer thing. Yeah. When was the last time he used ten kilometers? When the Magneto's circus wagon was ten kilometers above the atmosphere. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and then Wolverine pontificates that it's probably an earthquake. Earthquake, probably. And uh, Nightcrawler, who's uh, on a um, boat line or whatever what you want to call it, one of the sail things just hanging around looking about, uh, wonders if, uh, the, I guess, the captain's family is okay. Everybody's, well, the captain is Hama. Oh, you're right. Hama, as we, so Matsunuga is, must be just a friend. Um, everybody's been given a green sweater except for Wolverine and Nightcrawler is wearing his Nightcrawler uh, uniform. I'm going to guess that this is due to a limitation of the color palettes available, but it can also be passed off as they were just given crew uniforms. Yeah, it's it's, it's just weird that Nightcrawler still does not have, like he's either uses his image inducer or he wears his costume. Good point. He, he never 
wears clothes. Real clothes. <laughs> Good point. Although Storm is also wearing her Storm band helmet thing. She, her, uh, her headdress? Plate or headdress, yes. Yeah, she's, she does certainly like that thing. Uh, so uh, Matsunega, Matsunega says that uh, they live west of the city in the heart of that firestorm. So he's also recounting some of the terrible fire bombings his father had encountered during the war, and he's kind of likening this occasion to that. It looks bad. It looks terrible. But, yeah, we don't really know what it is yet. Um Cyclops asks Captain Hammer to take them to a shore, and uh, Captain Hammer's like, no can do, Pally. <laughs> I don't want to risk uh, losing my ship by getting too close to the fire, and, and we're needed. So uh, Cyclops orders Nightcrawler to teleport over to the shore, the shore mm-hmm. which he does, thinking to himself, made it. Not long ago, I'd have, I'd have had to... Make this jump in stages. This time, with training and practice, I did it nonstop, and I'm barely winded. <laughs> See, it always works better when you get to that voice. <laughs> I know. I, I, I forget that voice every time, though. You invented that voice. That's what I have to remind myself. I'm pretty much sure I stole that from somewhere. Hogan's Heroes. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> Everything's Nothing's new, everybody. Colonel Clink. <laughs> so, uh, Nightcrawler gives the signal to the rest of the X-Men, so... Banshee flies Cyclops and Wolverine while Stormfall flies Colossus to shore. Interesting that Banshee and Storm change into their costumes to fly over (laughs) and then change back when they get to the shore. Yeah, but it looks like in the last panel here that Storm's doing her little uh, electrical trick to make her costume go away. I'm not sure there's like electricity around her for some reason. I think what she's actually doing is just sealing up her costume her wings to become like a cape because she continues wearing it on the next couple of pages. Yeah, you're so right. It's, it's, it's become some sort of, uh, I don't know, dress slash yeah. coat. I don't, I don't get it, but yeah, you're right. Banshee, uh, is putting on his, uh, his, well, basically what he was wearing two seconds ago. Well, I guess, yeah, this doesn't really make sense because there was an issue when he was in the Savage Land where he was flying around and he didn't seem to need his winged costume. Here they're kind of making the impression that, oh, got to get into the costume so they can fly. Now that I'm over here, now I can put my clothes back on. They can't make up their mind. It's just, we, get, we get a really strange panel where Storm tells Cyclops that Nightcrawler is waving, the signal is clear, and Cyclops says, are you sure, Storm? <laughs> and she, she's like, if I were not, I would have kept silent, dumbass. It's more like a, I, what? Didn't you hear what I just said? <laughs> <laughs> Cyclops being a bit of a dick. Kind of. And Storm giving it right back to him. <laughs> yeah, she's going to take over the mantle of leadership someday. I just know it. Don't you second guess at me. <laughs> So, meanwhile, in the city, we've got um, police redirecting folks. Um, uh, the the X-Men, as they're making their way to um, Shiro Yoshida's house, because the only person that they know, or Cyclops knows in town, would be Sunfire. So, they don't. he calls out, they don't have any passports, they don't have any money, they don't have a way to contact Professor X, so they got to do that. So, on, on the way to his house, Sunfire's house, uh, they're helping out um, people in need. It's very nice of them. They're doing what they can. Yes. Um, yes. 
Money Penny. I think it was Money Penny. But no, <laughs> I, I can't do it. I forget. I give up. <laughs> uh, now you're gonna make me think about what 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 is the key word that can get me to uh, Connery. Money? I can hear it in my head. <laughs> I just can't reproduce it with my mouth. <laughs> hmm. It'll come to me like in the middle of the night tonight and wake me up, and I'll have to, Adam, Adam, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Storm remembers her. <laughs> or it, she starts to remember her. It's kind of there. I've almost got it. You almost had it there. <laughs> she starts like, to remember her childhood. No, you just, it's yeah, you, just, you just can't <laughs> grab onto it. Like it's 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 teasing you, but it, it just keeps eluding you. But you're almost there. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll keep working. Okay, okay, just like randomly so, throughout. So Storm does remember her childhood. Uh, she she feels like it reminds me of when her mama and papa were killed in the streets and she was wandering the streets of Cairo. And I, I like these next couple of panels where we get these this kind of uh, pink and red skyline and we get mostly silhouettes of the X-Men as they walk about. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Storm says she heard a missionary once in Kenya. It looked much like this description of hell. I'm sure that'll be changed later, but honestly, I don't even care anymore. And she points out that she thinks she heard Scott coughing, but he's like, no, I just swallowed too much smoke. Mind your own business. I'm still mad at you for that comment you made while we were on the boat. It is weird dialogue between <laughs> the two of them. It is. Oh, hey, all of a sudden, the air smells sweeter. Thanks, Aurora. And everything's okay between the two of them. Uh, and then Colossus, I think it's Colossus here. It's either Colossus or Banshee, but it... It might be I Banshee. Think, I think it's Banshee. But he doesn't have his Irish lilt. You're right. This may sound macabre, but I can't help wondering what happened to the people. This is a big city, but it looks almost deserted. Wolverine pulls out a paper and uh, he says he that grabs it from midair. Yes, as it was floating like by. Well, it's because he's a cool dude. Oh yeah, he's just like. Whoosh. Paper says everyone was evacuated. What? Why? Of a big quake. And, and then Cyclops is like, "Wait a minute, you read Japanese?" Wolverine responds, "Yup." I didn't know. You never asked. My mistake. Next time I'll know better. Cyclops still can't shake that this uh, can't be a natural disaster, as he pointed out a little bit earlier. Uh, an earthquake without any pre or aftershocks? That just doesn't make any sense. So now it makes now now we now it makes it vital that we contact the professor because something's going on and and I don't feel comfortable with this whole thing. Yeah. I need to talk to my Boss. Something just doesn't sit right with Cyclops. But meanwhile, 20,000 miles above the Earth in a massive uh, Imperial starship pulls out of its parking orbit and in it heads into lot. I read that that is parking <laughs> lot. <laughs> and heads <laughs> and it heads into deep space and aboard that Imperial starship is Lilandra and the professor sitting in what looks like some sort of floating oyster uh, shell. It's a super wheelchair. It's a floating super wheelchair, which is awesome. Lilandra points out the glory that is her Earth, or I mean his Earth, rather. Professor's marveling at it. I've seen pictures, but this is so much more beautiful. Uh, random Shiarian guy, or what is Lilandra? Lilandra is Shiar? Yeah, she's Shiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. I, she's the Majestrix of the Shiar. Thank you. 
Um, random Shi'ar man walks up and points out that they're about to head out to a warp. And he, the captain would prefer that everybody return to their quarters. The professor still wonders if he did the right thing in leaving Earth. Even though the X-Men are dead, there are still Gene, Warren, Bobby, Hank. Maybe I should be leaving them. They have their own lives to lead, Charles. Let them be. We live, we love. This is all that matters. Oh, my name, Professor. <laughs> they, start, they start making out, and presumably that's what they do for the rest of the issue. You're not completely paralyzed. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, you know... I can make you think that I'm not. <laughs> Maybe that's what he does. <laughs> you just had a fantastic time. <laughs> oh, my God, Professor. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, at first I was like, Professor, it is a little too soon for you to be leaving the X-Men, or, I mean, leaving Earth. I mean, really, do you have much of a an idea that they're dead other than, you know, nobody has seen them? But it has been a couple of months at this point. Six weeks uh, by this issue, and then there was Savage Land and a bunch of other stuff that happened. So yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been a few months, and uh, it's it's good. He's mourned, and now he's ready to move on with his life. But I don't know. Is two months mourning really enough time? Would you really give up after two months? Uh, maybe not, but you know, especially considering that he did absolutely no searching. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> here's the professor. He's wealthy beyond anything we can imagine. He's got. Sp- you know, ships and mansions and uh, cerebros and stuff. Don't you think he'd be in the lab tinkering about trying to find traces of their, um, you know, mutant signatures or whatever? Nah, he nah. just sat around. <laughs> I want to tell you about the time I had a psy war with a man in Egypt. <laughs> yeah, I can't find the X-Men. Let's go to the, let's go to space. Amazing. Well, I mean, to be fair, if if you were like in love with some, uh, princess of space and she was like well you want to go to space to help you get over the death of your 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 sires you'd be like yeah yeah i'll do that that sounds pretty cool yeah it just seems like a, a kind of rushed like hmm well hmm, my friends are dead girl though <laughs> i go with girl yeah, space girl yeah 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 you're right space girl with feathers and stuff Sure, why yeah. not? Yeah. Time to get freaky. <laughs> so Time to get freaky in space. With a feather girl. So they, uh, the X-Men, we flip back now to the X-Men who are still in Japan, and they meet up uh, at the uh, Yashida Ancestral Manor. We made it. They expect in company I've seen less hardware and bodies around Fort Knox. Back when I was stationed at Fort Knox. Because <laughs> I've been everywhere. Haven't you two been able to tell? I know a lot of things. <laughs> Cyclops has them change into costumes, people. They're about all we've got to establish our bona fides. Yep, and so Cyclops is kind of returning us back to uh, the issue in which uh, Sunfire was in, which was, what, 63, I want to say? 62-63, which we learned was that... He was also a member of the reformed team. Yeah, but he's talking about uh, Shiro's head of an influential family. And if I recall correctly, his father was, well, he's dead now, yeah, but the influential. 65, 63. Yes, something like that. 62, 61, 60. Somewhere 59. between 60 and 66, I'm going to go with. I want to say it was 64. But anyways, yes. So uh, uh, Shiro is now the head of that, that whole thing. 
And I guess the idea here is that Cyclops wants the team to change into their costumes so that they can be like, hey, Sunfire, remember us? Now give us a hand, even though we didn't really leave on good terms. Well, you know, r- at least recognize us. Yeah, yeah. Well, you fought alongside us for a day. Remember? Crazy costumes. It's us. <laughs> it's us. Your buddies, kind of. You stormed out on us, but it's all cool. Storm whips up a fog, and they start to sneak in. Some of the Japanese soldiers are a little uh, worried about this. I think nature's gone crazy today. Oh, first a quake striking where no quake had a right. Then the firestorm. Now this cursed pea soup fog. What was that? I heard nothing. You're imagining things, Agama. The X-Men have managed to sneak forward. Follow your nose, boss. The main house is dead ahead. You heard the man, troops. I like this panel. It's uh, Cyclops and Wolverine, who really aren't drawn that well. Or maybe it's they aren't inked very well. But Nightcrawler's just in the background, all silhouetted with yellow eyes. He, yeah, he was actually a fully fully sketched, but the ink the uh, the inker was like, eh, whatever. I'm this, is like, this is a terrible sketch. I'm just going to ink this whole thing over. Looks awesome, though. It's completely needless, but it's he, awesome. Actually, John Bird didn't draw him at all, but the, the inker <laughs> dropped a splotch of ink in the background. He's like, oh, damn it. And he's like, oh, I'll draw some eyes on this. Yeah, it'll be Nightcrawler. That'll be all right. So the light, somebody hits the lights, and now the X-Men are bathed in the spotlight, and we get some silhouette effect, which is pretty neat, actually. Intruders, stand where you are. What the flame in hell? And it's Sunfire. He is the, uh, uh, he says, face the wrath of the protector of Japan, the lord of the living samurai, Sunfire. Sunfire, it's me, Cyclops. I'm here with the (laughs) X-Men. I lost it again. Damn it. (laughs) He says, I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you... Sunfire. Remember that song? Mm-hmm. I think I used it for the Sunfire episode. Oh, did you? <laughs> I may have. All right, fine. Maybe that's where I'm recalling it from. All right, well, anyways. Uh, so, yeah, so Cyclops tries to reintroduce himself uh, to Sunfire. Wolverine calls out that uh, he, he ain't listening, bub. And that's... Uh, Sunfire is about to... Uh, well... We get the idea that Sunfire is not going to give them any mercy. The X-Men I remember do not skulk like thieves in the night. Arrest them, Captain, when suddenly Misty Knight shows up. Misty Knight? Captain? What is Captain? No, Captain. I know, but why do they shorten it to Captain? 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 I have no idea. It's like a Marvel thing. I think it's more than a Marvel thing. I mean, it wasn't Captain Crunch. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's a it's a shortening that's pretty common. I just I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. If we have any listeners out there who, well, yeah, you guys won't write anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sunfire and his stupid looking little Sunfire headdress says, "Misty Knight, you dare!" It's a trap. <laughs> and uh, Cyclops reminds the audience here that Misty Knight, she's Jean's roommate. What's she doing here? In case you don't remember her from last issue. I suppose maybe you didn't pick up last issue. Yeah, yeah, meh, maybe. Sunfire points out that Misty is a guest in the country. Misty's like, she whatever. Implies, I'm not going to argue, Hotshot. Your premiere wants the X-Men inside Peranto. Meanwhile, in a narrow in lane, 
Yes. Outside the Yoshida Manor. There is a truck that says Mar Ray, and I'm guessing it's a takeoff on Marlboro, but I don't know. But it's it a truck. Mac Ray. Does it say Mac Ray? Okay. He pulls up to the police lines, and they're getting ready to activate the assault team. They're going to strike at midnight. Ooh. So they go inside. The premier, I guess, is in there and some other guys, and they're all speaking Jap- or Japanese. Sunfire's there. He takes his mask off. Cyclops has his mask off. Uh, Colleen Wing is there. Mm-hmm. Cyclops is like, where's Wolverine? I don't understand anything. I need an interpreter. What is Sunfire raving about? I feel like a fool just standing here. Apparently the premier's name is Osama, which is weird. Osama-san. Osama-san. We need no American lady detective like Colleen Wing. Even if she is your niece. Oh, so she must be Japanese as well. And we need no American superheroes. My power alone is sufficient to protect Nippon. Ha! Says Colleen Wing. Yeah, uh, Sunfire is a very proud proud Japanese man. So he's like, well, pff, you keep them X-Men away. I'll take care of this problem. Don't you worry about it. And again, he's like, mind your place, woman. This is my place, Buster. Like you, I am Daimyo and Samurai. Unlike you, I know my limitations. Grandstand plays won't save us, Shiro-san. Only, our only hope is teamwork. At this point, Cyclops like, Ugh, I'm going to go find a phone. <laughs> How rude. <laughs> <laughs> well, he can't understand what's going on. I hack with him. I'm going to find a phone. All he hears is a bunch of jibber-jabber. Colleen Wing thinks to herself, so that's Scott Summers, huh? What a hunk. Pity Misty says he's spoken for. So what I want to know here is Gene and Misty are roommates. Gene, Mm -hmm. for the last six to eight weeks, is mourning the loss of her friends and her boyfriend. Don't you think at one point or another she would have had a conversation with Misty and been like, oh, man, Scott's dead and I'm really bummed out about it. No, but they we saw they didn't have that conversation. Last issue, they bumped into each other at the airport, and Jean didn't get a chance to tell her. Yeah, I yeah, 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 I suppose, but it's a heck of a coincidence. And and it's 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 also a coincidence that uh, now Scott bumps into Misty Knight, and he doesn't say, hey, uh, Jean's dead. Did you hear about that? Yeah, right. Oh, I'm so sorry that your roommate and my girlfriend died. Or that Misty's not like... Oh, I saw Jean at the airport. She was heading off on vacation. Are you going to meet up with her? It's just one of those wacky things that happened. There's just no time for anybody to talk about anything that might make an emotional connection. No time. No time for love. (laughs) Although Misty Knight is on the phone with her boyfriend, Danny Rand, who can't make it into Japan because Power Man and Iron Fist are neck deep in cases. That's what they call it. Power Man's neck deep into something uh, of Iron Fists, but I'm bummed. Yeah, <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah, Scott uh, thinks to himself, "What do I say? Professor Jean and Hank are dead. I still can't believe it. And why don't I feel anything for Jean? My God, I loved her, but I don't feel anything for her. But I loved her. Damn my eyes! <laughs> I don't really. Un- I mean, I, I'm. I don't remember because it's been a long time since I've run the, read this cycle of the Uncanny X-Men. But I, I'm wondering where this leads to because it's 
very awkwardly playing out this whole like, oh, I loved her, but I don't feel anything. Woe is me. Yeah, I have a feeling that it's not leading anywhere. Oh, well, eventually they're going to meet back up and it'll probably... Just right, be... and then he'll be like, wait a minute. I do love you. I do love her. Yeah, maybe that's all it's going to be. It's like, oh, I'm shedding tears now. I, I, I just don't remember. Well, we'll see as these issues unfold. But anyways... They seem to be setting up something with Colleen Wing. I don't think that goes anywhere. Maybe it does. Well, we we all know that Cyclops is not the most faithful of men. He has had some woman issues. That That's a good <laughs> point. Um, and sometimes he doesn't wait very long after the fresh death of... Uh, well, anyways. Um, Cyclops is on the phone. He's trying to get a hold of the professor, but uh, the number, he's getting the operator message that all of the... Uh, that the number's no longer in service. Banshee, Professor X has shut down all the school phones, even the emergency direct line to Cerebro. That seems like a there terrible an, idea. There's an emergency direct line to Cerebro? And what are what you are they... <laughs> hey, Cerebro! Hey, it's me! This is Cerebro. How may I help you? Oh. <laughs> Anyways, they could have done a, a little thing with that. Well, no, maybe not. I don't know. They could have gone off and been like, I got a hold of uh, the, the backup line to Cerebro, and according to it, the professor's not even on the planet. He's dead, too. Press 1 to uh, leave a message. <laughs> Press 2 to search for mutants. Press 3 to remove names from the console prematurely. Yeah, okay, so all the lines to the mansion are cut off, which to me seems like a big mistake because, I mean, you still have part of the X-Men out there. I mean, even though Angel, Beast, and Iceman are on other teams, I mean, they're they're always going to be X-Men, right? Wouldn't you want to have that equipment available for them in case Magneto returns or some horrible new mutant comes or or maybe some some mutant that we uh, 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 have in a holding facility somewhere that's really powerful and you don't want to escape? Wouldn't you want some sort of tracking device for all of those conditions? If you think about it, last time the X-Men kind of just hung out for a while. The professor eventually, when there was, he waited for an emergency and formed a new team, sort of. Like the other X-Men were kidnapped. So why doesn't he form another new team? Doesn't he have reserve, reserve X-Men? Well, if you read Deadly Genesis, you wouldn't understand that these X-Men are the reserve, reserve X-Men. Well, yeah, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> Whoops. Anyways, back to this issue at hand. Um, the the guy... Another interlude. Mm-hmm. The guys that were outside in that Mac Ray truck there, it's it's eleven forty five or twenty three forty five by their by their military time, and they're rolling up the door and they're getting ready for uh the attack. Greg, oh buddy, these mute these babies can pulverize any mutant scum living without a, without even working up a decent sweat. And we see some uh feet that uh, I'm thinking sentinels. I don't know. They look like elephant feet to me, but given my history, you're given the history of the X Men. Every time we see feet, it's the Sentinels. Yeah, but these are yellow feet. They can't be Sentinels, and they're like they have, some. They have. Don't they have yellow feet? No, they have like purple or or blue feet. That's the lighting. <laughs> okay, fine. In the moonlight, a Sentinel is yellow. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, uh, Wolverine is walking around the grounds, and he's kind of lamenting. Uh, his uh, the fact that he left the Savage Land, and he's also giving us a little bit more backstory. I was a punk kid last time I was in Japan. 
I didn't figure I'd never coming back. Wait a minute. He was a punk kid? So what? No. Was he back in Japan like 200 years ago? Is that what we're led to believe here? <laughs> we don't know that much about Wolverine yet. Yeah, but this that line is doesn't exist, I mean, as we move forward in X-Men continuity. Yeah, well, mm. we're not there yet. Okay, so, so <laughs> as it stands today, when, when last time he was here, he was a punk kid, which... I mean, you know, it could have been 200 years ago, I suppose. Wolverine has a terrible memory anyway. <gasps> for, for all he knows, like, he was missing, like, 100 years he doesn't even remember. That is just a great way to explain any time Wolverine has said something in these older issues that contradicts something that's in the newer issues. Like, look, <laughs> memory's like Swiss cheese. Is that all yeah. of these things? He was shot in the head with an adamantium bullet. Come on. <laughs> right. Oh, wait. <laughs> that didn't happen. Anyway, so yeah, Wolverine. Was, What's that? I was a punk kid, I, I think. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know. I was here once. I actually. I, was I? I don't even know why I know Japanese. <laughs> uh, but he's got no use for civilization. It's got too many rules, too many flaming people saying no. I want to cut loose every time I fight, but I got to hold back. Uh oh. Someone's in the garden. I better. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he turns into a teenage schoolboy. <laughs> and then a, I guess, beautiful Japanese woman says, Is someone there? Oh, I thought I... Oh. Who are you? Who are you? What do you want here? Don't be frightened. Please, I mean you no harm. This is Wolverine says this in translated Japanese. He, he breaks into his... Uh... His 19-year-old voice because he's around a <laughs> beautiful woman. Don't be frightened, please. I mean you. I know. <clears throat> I mean you no harm. I thought the garden would be empty. I, I like gardens in there. So I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'll go. And you speak Japanese very well for an American. I had good I'm Canadian. Hey, <laughs> I'm not no American. Hey, I'm an X-Man. Apparently, Shiro has spoken often of Wolverine with much respect, and her name is Mariko. Well, I think she's spoken of the X-Men with much respect. Shiro has spoken often of you with much respect. I don't know about that, because every time he's... he hasn't told her his name yet. Oh, good point. <laughs> As he does in the next panel. I'm called Wolverine. And then he thinks to himself, Lord, she's beautiful. That is a name? I'm getting an adamantium boner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Adam. Sorry. <laughs> and then Wolverine, he pulls out the, no, not really, not between friends. My name is Lo. And then something explodes. No, it's an earthquake. I wonder why they cut off his name. I mean, we already know what it is. We already know what it is, but I think what the implication here is that at this point, nobody knows what his name is except for that leprechaun. Not even – that's it. <laughs> right, but the readers do too. So, I mean, what's the point in right. holding this back? I think the impact, though, is that this is the first person that he's met of his kind of new life where he's about to be like, I'm more than the Wolverine. My name is Lo – and then he gets interrupted. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know. I, all right, all I, don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not keeping it from us. We know it. But, uh, yeah, it's whatever. It would have more impact if they wouldn't have busted his name way back in the leprechaun issue. 
Although it really makes me want to know the backstory of when he told the, the leprechaun his name. <laughs> well, he didn't tell the leprechaun his name. The leprechaun was like, hello, Logan. What? What the yes. flaming? How do you know my name? Well, he didn't remember because he has, he has memories like Swiss cheese. Uh, there was this time when he fell in love with the leprechaun lady. <laughs> oh, okay. And then, hey, little lass, my name's Logan. So you're saying that that little leprechaun lady told all the other leprechauns, like, oh, man, if you ever yeah. meet this guy, his name is Logan, and watch out for him. Yeah. Okay, sure. I, I don't know. No, I'm not. No. And I want to read that backstory. <laughs> if somebody, Brian Michael Bendis or, or whoever's at the helm of Wolverine these days, if you could make that into a nice five-part issue or series, I would Wolverine totally... and the Leprechauns. <laughs> the untold story. <laughs> anyway, at the strike of midnight, it's an earthquake. Gripes, what's happening? Wolverine is uh, saving Mariko. And he's... A tree attacks, well, it doesn't attack them, but it uh, falls over onto them, and Wolverine snickets and scashes. He swipes the tree and destroys it with a... He, wow, that, that's not realistic. <laughs> he he shatters the tree into uh, little bits of splinters by slashing it with his claws. It was a very dry tree. It was almost petrified. <laughs> I see it, little one. There's nothing to worry about. Had that tree actually fallen on us, it still would have exploded. <laughs> and so Wolverine in the dialogue box here is shielding Mariko with his body. And he bulls through the crumbling manor house and soon finds himself with the other X-Men who have the same idea. They're also trying to rescue Mariko. Let her go, Wolverine. <laughs> She's mine. And you're right. Looks, uh, Cyclops is showing some uh, additional concern for C Colleen. Duck Colleen. Yeah. Storm, why didn't you worry or warn us about this earthquake? It's a valid question. Although, again, Cyclops is being a bit of a dick to Storm. <laughs> I didn't know. I sense natural things, Cyclops. This earthquake is not natural. Jesus. Get off my back. <laughs> And so she goes on to say that someone or some force made it happen. How can that be? Who could command such power by the White Wolf? And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that this is the first utterance of By the White Wolf by Colossus. I think you're right. Yep. Uh, and then Nightcrawler points out that the wall is exploding. <laughs> and that's when some yellow costumed giant robot guys that are really men dressed up in robot costumes kind of kind of like iron men show up to say all right people the party's over the boss wants you government types as his special guests and he sent the man droids to get you i'm on base i got guitar i'm on drums we're going to rock this place until there's nothing left to rock. Come on, Sunfire. Join us for a number. Yeah. Yes, Sunfire and the Mandroids. I have seen it. I have foreseen this. We are going to play stadiums. We will be bigger than Beatles and bigger than Jesus. Bigger than Buddha. Yeah. We're to bring you back alive or leave you dead. The choice is yours. I think you should leave us dead, says Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, Sunfire points out that he and his friends are true sons of Nippon, mas monster. 
then they'll never surrender. They'll fight. And if any are to die in this place, it will be you. You are the one who will be the one who is going to die. Not me. I'm not going to die. Sunfire, wait, says Cyclops, like he always says to somebody who's about to attack. This is like a thing with Cyclops. This is like the thing. Yeah. Hold on. I Don't re- wait. No. Wait a second. I recognize those outfits. At which point Sunfire says, so? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then he gets blasted. Want to bet, Muty? Vorp! And he gets blasted. I mean, look at this picture. It looks like I know that it's not this case, but in this image, it looks like his face was melted off of him. <laughs> I mean, he screams, "Arg!" He's got like a real red skull thing going on here. I know it's just how it's drawn, but still, it's bad. It looks like he's dead. Those combat suits were designed to zap the Avengers but there's no way in heaven they could have been prepared to stop us. So if he knows that there's no way in heaven they could have been prepared to stop them, then why did he have Sunfire wait? <laughs> Instead of just being like, kill him, or get him, Sunfire. Like, Sunfire, look out, he's got a gun that clearly is smoking in the previous panel. <laughs> yep, uh, yeah. Eh, Cyclops isn't very good with the plans. Hit him, X-Men, with everything you've got. That's right. Hit him with your best shot. Doo-doo. Fire away. And this is, a, I mean, it works well in this issue, but in other issues, this hit him with all you got thing usually fails because it's X-Men hitting him one, one, one at a time. And yeah, these are mandroids. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Nightcrawler thinks to himself, we had six weeks training on the Jinguichi Maru, courtesy of Cyclops. Here's where we see if it pays off. And he's jumping. And it does. He's jumping around while the mandroid's trying to shoot him. And yep, it's working just fine. Um, he he uses a nice use of his power where he gets in between two mandroids, and as they're about to shoot him, he says, uh, uh, "Well, he just teleports away, and they end up shooting each other." Bam! The cam. And this is when Colossus springs into action, and he's like, "I." I wonder why I even bother. I, you do it. <laughs> I can't do Colossus. I wonder why I even bother to try. Everything I do seems to backfire. I can't write letters. <laughs> I'm no good with pictures. No good with letters. No good with stories. No good with plan. No good with feast. And he just keeps going on with this list of things that he's no good at. And the mandroid just punches him and he goes flying. No good at falling. No good at being hit. No this one like very, Colossus. Particularly large mandroid. It is huge. It's like double the size of Colossus. Yeah, the, the other mandroids are not this big. No good at being smaller than this mandroid. That is no good. Colossus, Wolverine says as Colossus flies by. Leave him, Wolverine. We've got to stop the mandroids first. I don't know why Cyclops <laughs> is speaking like that, but he is. And that's when Wolverine cuts loose and starts just digging into this mandroid, uh, getting him down to the core of his armor. Bob, that reverse polarity magnetic zap may have worked against my steel buddy, but it don't rate diddly against adamantium claws. Man, that was a lot of work getting all those words out. <laughs> I don't even know. Most of that's irrelevant. I probably just could have hit you without saying all of those words, but now you know... I need another cigar. Somebody get me a beer. (laughs) 
One's down, two to go, and Cyclops is using his optic beams like a pulse beam. Kind of Which I, has he ever done this before? I don't think so. No, and I, I can imagine that, like under his visor, he's just like rapidly blinking his eyes, allowing <laughs> the blasts to escape. If I pulse my optic beam, setting up a specific vibration pattern in the mandroid armor, Banshee, go! Suddenly, the air is split by a piercing howl as Banshee's sonic scream counters Cyclops's optic pulse on a fractionally different vibration frequency. The two opposing patterns creating such titanic molecular scratches that the armor literally shakes itself to bits. Whoa. That's crazy. And now the third mandroid is going in for Mariko. Actually, not Mariko, but Shiro, who is being protected by Mariko. Shiro, my cousin, you're hurt. Let me help. Mariko, get away from here. Too late, kid. Looks like I'm going to scrag two for the price of one. Oh, yeah. It's a special. And that's when Sunfire cuts loose and says, No! That's the best you can do, Sonny. You're not hurting me. You're only making me stronger. What the? It's raining. Not raining, Adam. It's freezing rain. And when that freezing rain hits that molten armor, it just cracks and falls apart. The armor was designed to with, with uh, more... Stress than the armor was designed to withstand, the end comes quickly. It literally shatters. Mm-hmm. That looks like it would kill the guy. You would think so. Uh, and then the two guys that were in the truck who made the delivery, they're taken off because they're scared. They note that there's a pothole in the road, and as they're about to drive over it, Colossus's hands come out and basically destroys the truck, wrapping everything up into a neat little package. I have a minor problem with that, and how does Cycl- or Colossus know that this truck is, like, a bad, with bad guys? A bad guy truck. I uh, no idea. He just, he, he was randomly just, I'm no good at getting out of hole. <laughs> <laughs> I hear truck, I don't even care. I'm no good at anything. Oh, I just hit the truck. I'm no good at saving people's lives. <laughs> yeah. But then he does kind of come back around as he grabs the two bad guys and he carries them back to Cyclops. He's got a big smile on his face. These are the last. Of, uh, the, these are the last of them, Cyclops. The authorities are examining their truck. Take him to the police van for interrogation. <laughs> I can't do Sean Connery. I just give it. I'm the, that was the, my last try. That was it. Darn. That was it. So they're gonna give him over to the police for interrogation. Uh, everybody did well. Uh, it's another caper wrapped up by the X-Men. Uh, nothing to see here, nothing else to think about until... What? A hologram emanating from the mandroid armor? I am Magnus Mog- Mag- Mag- <laughs> Moses Magnum. Jeez. Why don't, you, why don't you finish that up? <laughs> I am Moses Magnum, master of the Magnum Force. <gasps> this is my ultimate... This is my ultimatum, Prime Minister. You have 24 hours to acclaim me sole absolute ruler of your precious island nation, or at tomorrow midnight, I will sink Japan. Next issue, Twas the Night Before Christmas. (gasps) So, wow, Moses Magnum, huh? I only know him. Master of the Magnum Force. Okay, so A, I don't know what the Magnum Force is, but B, I only know Moses Magnum as a Spider-Man villain. 
Master of the Magnum P.I. Force. <laughs> Higgins? Yes, Magnum Force. What is it? Yes, Master Moses. Will you bring my Corvette around front? That's not Tom Selleck, but <laughs> I'm not... <laughs> I don't have a Tom Selleck. So there you go. Um, yay, Japan issue and some Sunfire cameo. Eh, it's all right. Good times. I think what the idea here is is that uh, Claremont and uh, Byrne are really just trying to extend and create scenarios in which the X-Men just can't go home to collectively like, hey, we're not dead and we're alive and stuff like that. So that by the yeah, time they the... actually do get back there, there's like a whole new thing that they got to deal with, which is neat. It's good storytelling. It, yeah, it's, it's very good storytelling. It's like all of these diversions are important, at least. Like they're, they're stories within the story. Yes, I agree. So I like it in that uh, aspect because there's always something going on. I mean, it seems like we're almost always being left with a cliffhanger. So, I mean, in terms of just, you know, I don't want to call it formula, but I mean, back in 1978 as a kid, you'd be like, oh, my God, when's it's 30 days. I can't wait 30 days. Oh, it was 60 days for a while. Well, I know. That would have been the worst. You'd have to, like, reread the entire series every time you wanted to get a new issue. Um, so with that in the bag, uh, we got a couple of communiques and then I think we're going to read off a list of Facebookers, but, uh, I got a, we got a note on Facebook from Michael Foster Meyer, who points out that he doesn't mind the French accent for Kesar, but he is British. His name is Kevin Plunder and he actually has the issue with the flying sharks. Which is awesome, and he needs to send it to me immediately. So I was going to say, like, first thing, Michael, can you please send a copy of that issue to Adam, as he will be your best friend forever. Uh, <laughs> secondly, um, it was issue 10 where they're like, it's, you know, it looks like it's spelled Kazar or Kazar, but they literally say right there, it is pronounced Kazar. Exactly. It's it it's not French. that we don't know that he's British. <laughs> it's that we know that in his heart, he wants to be French. Because he named himself Kesar. I think that he was... And he named his uh, panther... No, what is it? His uh, saber-toothed saber tiger. tiger uh, Zebu. Zebu. Which clearly shows that he wants to be French. Yeah. Well, I, I my theory here is that Kevin Plunder was born in uh, Britain, but he moved on uh, almost at a very young age to a little province in France where he grew up and, and developed an affinity for... Uh, the, the French culture, and he developed his accent, and he's like, one day I will not be called Kevin Plunder, I will be called Kessar. <laughs> and I will run around in a loincloth with a saber-toothed tiger. Actually, I don't know uh, much about Kessar at all. The only things I know about Kessar are what we have read in this very podcast, which is basically, he's a blonde dude who uh, at first didn't want any of us or the X-Men in the Savage Land, and then later on wanted help for the Savage Land. That's really all I know. Why does they call me Kevin Plunder? That's not a very good name. What about Kessar? That's a good name. Kesar, it means strength. No, that doesn't mean strength. Yeah, it does in my French language. <laughs> <laughs> I speak the language of true France. <laughs> yes. So, uh, 
you know, we put out the call for our hundredth episode for some um, for some letters. Uh, we we said you could write us some dating advice. We said you should leave us some voicemails. We said you should just ask us some questions. You could test Jeremy with his of his knowledge of X Men uh, uh, factoids. And uh, no, you guys didn't do any of that. I even promised not to look anything up on the internet. I mean, it was going to be all cold. Like, you know, you could have asked me what's Kesar's real name, and I'd have been like a bumbling fool, being like, duh, duh, duh. I don't know, Kesar, right? But no, that yeah. didn't happen. So I guess well, we'll try for one fifty. I suppose maybe by issue or episode three hundred, we'll we'll have we'll have more fans. Yeah. Well, speaking of fans, let's let's read off these names here. We'll be able to do like a live show someday, and people will tune in, and they'll be like chatting us. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Live I'm just chat. dreaming. I'm just dreaming too large. <laughs> uh, baby steps, Adam. Baby steps. <laughs> so, uh, without further ado, I should mention that uh, these are the list of Facebook people that I can see on Facebook. Um, I, I assume that's because of privacy settings. I have no. I don't know why we can't see all our fans, to be honest, but hmm. yeah, Facebook. Facebook hates you. Yeah. Evan Norseman Grover. Kyle Moyer. Scott Cruikshank. There's going to be no forgiveness for mispronunciations of bad name or, or last names. Jan Roman Picula. Nick Cole. Matthew Pearson. Kevin William Cross. We'll make you jump, jump. Crisscross. Sorry. <laughs> Josh Courier. Dustin Dotson. Anthony Furlong. Ooh, star of Terminator. That was Edward Furlong. Oh, they both started with vowels. Jason Raffalak. Aaron Elvaris. Joshua White. Bill Ritchie. Jess Ralph. David Fiore. Marion Horton. Heath. Bradley Fodor. Derek Rolston. David Steele, the man of steel. Best name so far. Porn star extraordinaire. <laughs> and introducing David Steele as the plumber. Mark, <laughs> Mc Mark McMahon. Alan Davidson. Jimmy Hutchinson. Superman's friend, Chris Jimmy Hutchinson. <laughs> Sorry. Christopher D. Price. David Bartlett. Adam Stabelli. Um, Drizzo Dre Man. Um, yeah. I, that's way wrong. <laughs> Ariel Bondock. Matthew Lakowski. Gino Villanueva. Jorge Luis Achvedo. Joe Wilson. Chris Moo. J.P. Fury. <gasps> Nick Fury's son. <laughs> hey, you know, I heard a story uh, on a podcast recently that uh, there was a pilot for a S.H.I.E.L.D. television show, and David Hasselhoff was going to be Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, A, I'd never heard that, and B, you know, they were kind of making fun of it and everything. I was like, you know what? I think you put a little gray in David Hasselhoff's, like, the side of his hair, and you put the eye patch on him. I think he's Nick Fury. 
<laughs> he's a he's a terrible actor, though. Ah, you just give him some corny dialogue and have him have a gravelly voice, and he doesn't need to act much more than that. I would like to see him act as Nick Fury before I could say that he is Nick Fury. Well, there's this pilot. It's out there. It's got to exist. I mean, somebody has to have bootlegged it somewhere. I would be very mm-hmm. interested to see it, especially since uh, the whole Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show starts, like, tomorrow, I think. Oh, is that already? Jeez. I think so. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think it's next week, actually. Is it? Well, very very shortly, anyways. Uh, and uh, yeah. By the time you listen to this, it will have already aired. Correct. Uh, John W. Andrew Elsham. Forbidden Planet Glasgow. Now, Jeremy, we know how to pronounce Glasgow. What? Uh, Glasgow. No, Glasgow. Glasgow. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Ben George. Alan Middleton. Richie David Tarones. Uh, Scott Brohaska. Pat Gunter. Yes. Rhymes with Hunter. It does. It's true. And that's all of our Facebook fans for this time around. Um, there's there's actually a lot more, but yeah, that's that's what you get. <laughs> yeah it's weird that you can have a page in which people can like and you can't see all of those people but eh, whatever yeah facebook yeah who needs it well we need you to like it because we would like you to like us on the facebook and so if you would like to do that you can head out to www.facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast and you can like us there I think we're up to 130 even, which is pretty cool. We've had uh, a small bump in the last week or two of uh, likes, which is neat. You can also go out to www.xmenpodcast.com. That's the actual home of this podcast where everything lives, and you can get all of the episodes, see all of the panels. You can leave a comment there if you would like, uh, or off of that page, uh, or in any email browser. You could email us at dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. Uh, leave us a comment, tell us what you think, ask us a question, try to do all the things we asked you for issue 100, uh, or not, whatever, it's up to you. You can just enjoy the free content, we're cool with that. Or you can go out to Twitter, we're at Danger Room Go, uh, you can follow us there. You pretty much get the same content that you get on the webpage, but we get a Twitter follower, and then... That's yeah, neat. occasionally, like I was actually checking out the Twitter today, and and people will respond to it, and you know, there's there's comments on there that we don't really see all that often. I mean, they're not uh, they're they're just like uh, somebody agreed with us about uh, Frank Miller's terrible Wolverine <laughs> drawing and stuff like that. I think that means we need to get more engaged in our Twitter tweeting. It, it could be, uh, yeah. Uh, the the Edward Gibson the third is doing a knockup job. He's got like if you go to the Twitter page. He's got a cool background. That's all I got to say. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, th- there's that. Uh, and then you can go out to iTunes, and um, you can just type in uh, Danger Room in there, and uh, we're the first podcast that comes up. If you type in X-Men, we'll be the fourth podcast that comes up, but that's just because there's this other podcast called Now Playing, and they have, like, three shows, and they must have paid iTunes to, like, put us further down. I mean, it's the same show, but it's, like, three different graphics it really irritates me because that means like we should be number two, but we're not. We're like number five. Anyways, go out there. You can click on us. You can get all the episodes there. Uh, leave us uh, some feedback there. I think we're still sitting at 45, uh, but that's pretty good. I never thought we'd get more than 12, so uh, keep it up, people. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. I did notice that um, the 
iTunes only lets us put a hundred episodes on. So if you want to go back to the first episode, you're going to have to go to the website from now on. Um, well, I'll fix that one of these days. Yeah. Eventually we'll figure out how to fix it. But um, for now you could there, we added a, um, a site map to the, uh, the website in order to make it easier to navigate through the episodes. Yes. We had one comment of somebody who wanted to listen to the whole thing and found it disastrously hard to do it on the page without the sitemap. Yeah, I'm sure that that listener has given up a long time ago <laughs> and abandoned us. They didn't put a sitemap on. They don't care about their fans. <laughs> it's We just couldn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> eh, time got in the way, you know. So there you go. Those uh, You can also call us at 501-GET-X-MEN um, and leave us a message if you would like. And that's how you can get a hold of us. X-Men! So, uh, moving on, we have Classic X-Men number 24. Yeah, the August 19... I don't even know what year. 89? 88? 87? I'm pretty sure it's 89. Or 88. It is 88. And uh, there are some changes afoot, Adam. First of all, the cover artist is no longer Art Adams. It is Carrie Gamble. Mm. Carrie Gamble is doing the cover, and he's doing the, well, he or she is doing the cover and the uh, inside front piece. Yes. That's true. And we've got uh, some uh, uh, new material by Kieran Dwyer as the penciler and Terry Austin as the inker. So let's open this thing up. Backup story as usual, Chris Claremont and John Bolton. Correct. Um, and I got to we'll just draw your attention to page five right now. I had assumed earlier that uh, when Storm said, I heard a missionary once in Kenya, this looks much like the description of hell. I would have assumed that that would have been retconned into Hades, but it was not. Now they leave the word hell in there. It's, I'm telling you, it all has to do with the way hell is used. Oh, can't tell you to go to hell, but I can tell you, man, this looks like hell. Or it's hot as I can't even tell you. Say, I probably can't even say it's hot as hell. Man, it's hot no, as hell in here. No. Okay. So you can refer to hell as a place. It's a proper um, noun. As long as you're not telling people to go there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fine. I can't remember where the other hell was. We'll have to try to find that and see if that was changed. But on page seven. Uh, we cut away, it even says we cut away, from the scene of the professor and Lilandra in the ship making out to a small island uh, where Jean is in a police station reporting a lost purse. Mm. Or bag, rather. Not just her purse, but her bag. Uh, her money was in there, her passport, everything was in there. And this This big, fat cop man, he's just giving her a hard time, talking about how careless she is and... Uh, that they're going to notify the American embassy, but it'll take time. Does she speak Greek because she can? She's she's a telepath. You would think that maybe like a because I mean the professor taught all of those foreigners how to speak English by just doing some psychic lessons, but no, I I I think maybe uh, I don't know that the asterisk here says translated from Greek parentheses and won't that captain be surprised i don't know what that means 
It means that he starts out by saying, I speak English pretty good, better, I bet, than you speak Greek. And then she says in perfectly fluid Greek, uh, someone stole my bag, all my clothes, my money, my passport, everything. And boy, that captain is surprised. He's like, whoa. What? what, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't really react to that, but no, I guess he doesn't we're not at all. Believe. wasting this entire caption. And he's thinking to himself, uh, and that child can be a long time. He's talking about uh, getting the passports and stuff from the embassy. And we'll see in the mid-time, in the meanwhile, how long your arrogance lasts when you're forced to sleep on the street and beg for food. <laughs> and, of course, Jean being a telepath, she picks up on those thoughts and she's like, oh, my God, I can't react, though. Uh, she says that perhaps she can go to Athens and still this constable guy is like, impossible. You cannot travel without proper documents until they say you come. You must stay. And she telekinetically pulls his chair out from underneath him as she walks out of the room. Thank you for all your help, Captain. And on the radio, in very small letters, we're hearing news reports about a disaster in Japan. The city is leveled by a mysterious earthquake. Rescue units arrested by, or were arrested by a band of American mutants, the X-Quark, as the radio falls to the ground. So Gene was not given an opportunity to hear that the X-Men are actually in Japan saving them. But uh, Right, they're alive! They're alive! So she walks out, and as she's walking out, she bumps into a guy, a very nice-looking Greek man, who says, Excuse me, but I couldn't help overhearing your conversation in there. If you are in some trouble, I should like very much to help. I don't trust this guy. Not at all. Not as far as I can throw him. He's way too uh, (laughs) clean-looking. And so... Cut back to our comic book. Do you remember where that other utterance, utterance of hell was? No, but I did note that um, here on page 8, it now says translated from the Japanese. Oh, okay. Just to add that in. Mm-hmm. From the Japanese, not just Japanese. Translated from the Japanese. Page 13. I feel like all this stuff about his adamantium claws and his bones laced with oh yes, adamantium metal is all new. There's nothing they can't cut through. Wolverine, the tree! His bones are laced with the same metal, so they can't be broken. Finally, there's his mutant power, a healing factor that can cope with any injury to him. I see it, little one. There's nothing to worry about. Yep, all of that's new dialogue. The claws are adamantium, the strongest metal known to man, part of what makes Wolverine so dangerous. And then the rest of the dialogue seems to be the same. So, once again, it's just Chris Claremont reminding us that, hey, Wolverine's bones are laced with uh, uh, adamantium. I planned it all along. Page 11, the uh, uh, yellow boots are now blue. <laughs> so now you could see, really... They like, are sentinels. <laughs> why didn't we see any sentinels in this issue? They're clearly right here. Um, another change is that on page 14... Uh, Cyclops now says, those those combat suits were designed to zap the Avengers, but there's no way in heaven they could have been configured to stop us instead of they could have been prepared to stop us. That's dumb. <laughs> Just an odd thing to decide to rewrite. 
Yeah, and that's all you get for new content. Um, so we flip back to the, let's see, the backup story, which is called Vacation. It's a good name. Yeah. And uh, it is a John Bolton drawn issue. It's starring Phoenix. And uh, Phoenix is on the dock after, I guess, being delivered by a nice cruise boat. And she's got a bag next to her. But the next thing she knows, some hoodlums push her off of the pier, knocking her into the water and steal her bag. So she's knocked into the water. The boys have stolen her bag and a man comes along and pulls her into her rowboat. And that's when we cut to her leaving the police uh, building that she we saw her in earlier. So basically, Chris Claremont wrote that scene into the previous comic in order to tie it directly to this story. Which is weird because it doesn't even tie directly to the story. Because in this, in that story, Gene comes out of the police station and this handsome Greek man comes up and says, I'd very much like to help. In this one, Gene comes out and is still like, I'm stuck on this rock until replacements arrive. I'm going to go hungry. Stupid. St- overstuffed. And she goes on and on and on about how this guy is just awful. And she's sitting on the ground. Her hair's all messy and wet and stuff. She looks like she was just in the water, whereas in the last issue, she looked all put together and just, like, she lost her bag. It wasn't actually stolen, and she was thrown in the water. And that's when the Greek guy comes up and says, excuse me, but I couldn't help overhearing the conversation. So it's kind of like a retcon within a retcon. Yeah, it's sort of bizarre. Yeah. Well, so Jean's there, and she's like, I'm not sure if you can help me. Uh, I've been robbed of everything. Uh, that might be some trouble that you're talking about. And so he says, come on, come come hang out with me. Let's go out to lunch. She's like, whatever. How can I refuse? <laughs> so they go to his place for some lunch. They're sitting out on the patio. He makes like some fantastic food, I guess. There's some wine. Uh, they've been, they had a nice lunch. She... You think this is his place and not a restaurant? Oh, maybe. I'd, it doesn't really say. I guess it could be a restaurant. Maybe it's a restaurant. It's probably oh, a restaurant. You, you could be right. It's it's just a very it's a very fancy, like, place, I guess. I guess I don't... Well, no, in the first panel, there's another table um, to, their, to their left. So hmm. they're in a restaurant. Anyways, uh, so they're having a nice back-and-forth conversation, and um, she's like, just let me know... Uh, when my money comes, I'll pay you back and we'll call it square. And he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. The pleasure of your company is more than sufficient compensation. Um, honestly, you need a place to stay. And she gets all mad. It's turning into a lovely day, Nikos. Do please don't spoil it. Jean, you wound me to the quick, to, to the quick with your suspicions. And uh, he goes on to talk about the truth is that so many tourists have been ripped off. uh, And as a result, they've got no cash and they've got no place to stay. And while sleeping under the stars may be romantic and get old, I can offer you a room. All I ask is for friendship. Leave the rest to the fates. He had to throw that last bit in there. Leave the rest to the fates. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of with him for a little bit. Like, yeah, that's reasonable. And then leave the rest of the face. And he's like, oh, 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 creepo, creepo. Warning, warning. (laughs) Exactly. Meanwhile, 
the kids that originally ripped off Jean are are going through her belongings and and they seem to be talking to well we know who it is it's it's mastermind it's yeah it's 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 mastermind he says Nikos is but the facade Jason Wingard the reality your old foe mastermind so what i want to know is I mean, last time we saw Mastermind, wasn't he a baby? Yeah. <laughs> Mastermind, Blob, and Magneto, right? Those were the or three. No, wait. When did I? Yeah, I'm not sure because I remember he also went crazy after battling Beast. <laughs> that so the baby thing happened after, but so we know for a fact Magneto and Blob were turned into babies. I'm almost positive Mastermind was turned into a baby as well. But anyways, that's not my real question. I, I, I'm uh, I'm okay to believe that we will never find out how those two were restored to their normal age. Uh, well, we did find out about Magneto. Unless maybe um, Eric the Red, while he was looking for Magneto, was like, Oh, Blob, Mastermind, you used to... You guys, you guys are... Oh, you're not Magneto. Well, you're adults now. Deal with it. Yeah, he couldn't tell. <laughs> he was like, ah, babies. I don't know. Which one's which? He's just randomly turning babies into adults. <laughs> uh, so, But my question here is, this Jason Wingard is uh, like a very fluffy-haired man with... He's kind of got like the Wolverine mutton chops with a mustache. Is this a facade or is this the new Jason Wingard mastermind? I think this is the redesign of Mastermind that we will soon meet. Yeah. So then my question is, like, I realize that for the reader's perspective, he's been redesigned into this kind of more eloquent, classy or classic looking man. In Marvel Comics, would Jean Grey look at this man and be like, oh, my God, Mastermind, what are you doing here? Or would she be like, oh, you look like a nice man of classic English descent? Uh. Good question. I think we will actually, we might actually find that out. I think you're right, but not in this issue. Yeah, not for a while. A couple issues. So it's Mastermind, and his whole, he was the, he, he orchestrated the, 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 the bag stealing and this whole thing to kind of uh, plant the seeds of what's to come uh, for Gene. You gave me quite a turn when you spoke of reading minds until I realized you were only joking, which is weird because she kind of wasn't, but sort of was. <laughs> And so he creates, so he talks about, like, he's creating this illusion and everything. And, again, this is exactly what he did with Beast, remember? But it just wasn't as popular of a story arc. (laughs) My hooks are in you, though you know it not. And before long, they'll be sunk so deep, you'll never get rid of them. (sighs) And then... I'm going to transform you into a black queen worthy of the name. (laughs) Spoilers! So she goes, or uh, actually he goes to deliver her some breakfast. And apparently when you're in a foreign country sleeping in a stranger's house is it, and you're uh, an attractive-looking red-headed woman, it's advisable for you to sleep naked. Well, of course. <laughs> because that's what she's doing here. She's got the covers kind of pulled up around her. She's like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, breakfast, okay. <laughs> Instead of just like being dressed and ready to dash for the window at the, at the, at the first sight of trouble. Which is what I would do. But yeah. I mean, she's she's a powerful mutant. She's not worried about anything. Maybe, I suppose. A lot of freaks out there, though. Uh, So she 
eats breakfast and he's like, let me take you to a secret hidden place where no tourists ever go. It's going to be awesome. Let's go. And she's like, but I only have one dress. And so he goes to his whore closet and pulls out <laughs> like a tank top dress thing. Ladies come, ladies go. Things get left behind. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? <laughs> I am. A, I like the ladies and they leave their clothes behind sometimes, you know? I don't know why. It's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing out of Marvel Girl's mouth is not, have you washed these? <laughs> you gross, disgusting man. But she's got this little thing on, and she's like, I feel like a bimbo. She's wearing a tiny outfit. And whose fault is that? Or are you one of those who believe that the clothes really do make it a woman? <laughs> Dress like this, chum, and you tell me. But she so says it with a laugh. Ha, 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 ha. And so he takes her to the sites, the secret sites of Greece. And the thought beggars can't be choosers followed by, what the heck, I do look good. Why should I be ashamed of that? And off they go. Or off they go. Uh, eventually they make their way to like a hilltop where Jean strips town to like, I don't know, short shorts and a bra while they're hanging out. Well, it's a bikini. She's, she's oh. But it's blue. And it's like, oh yeah, it's it's colored wrong. Yeah, but those don't look like bikini bottoms; they look like shorts. I don't well, know what's going on. Yeah, I think she's wearing shorts, but clearly the bra is a bikini because I don't know. It it doesn't. Yeah. So they go swimming. They go snorkeling, actually. And he's in his speedos, and she's in her bikini, and they're running and frolicking in the water, and. Eventually, they fall into each other's arms and begin kissing one another, and then Jean pulls away. As you do when you're running hand in <laughs> hand in the in the water with snorkels on. Jean, what is wrong? What did I do? And uh, I am sorry, Nikos. I shouldn't have. But you did it. That's what we wanted. Jean, talk to me. Don't run away. But she runs away and. Never puts on her dress. <laughs> where does she run away? But she runs away to Nikos's house, where she where can... she stays in her bikini. Yeah, she kind of curls up in the the fetal position, not laying down, but holding her knees close to her in her bikini. And that's when Nikos comes up, snuggles up behind her, and says, "Is it to me? Have I offended you, Jean? Done anything to hurt you?" No, no, I was in love, and he left you. He died. <laughs> People tell me that I shouldn't blame myself, that I couldn't have saved him, but deep down inside, I don't believe them. I should have found a way, but I failed, and it hurts more than I ever dreamed possible. <laughs> <laughs> to mourn that is unnatural, but to shut yourself away from life, to deny all feelings, where's the sense in that? If I don't feel, I can't be hurt. Don't you get it? <laughs> Is the pain so awful that it makes you turn your back to enjoy now? Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. And eventually, so he goes on. He's like, laugh with me. Love with me. Live. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> and so off they go to the Mushroom Kingdom where they stomp on Goombas, hit some dollar boxes, and have a good old time. He uh, puts out another 80s. She puts on another 80s style dress, and they go out rocking. Yeah. She looks like Sheena. <laughs> I don't know, but she does. 
And uh, they're dancing and walking through the village, and I'm sure that they've had wine. Who knows? There's lots of words here. And For the first time in weeks, the terrible ache in her heart begins to ease. And she's weird panel. She's, like, leaning against Nikos. That is weird. It's like she's <laughs> drunk or something. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm going to need you to I'm gonna need you to hold me up, Nikos. <laughs> I had too much wine. She puts one foot up on some sort of rock. I'd kiss you, but I puked a little earlier. <laughs> still, still in my mouth. It's kind of gross. <laughs> Sorry. I'm uh, glad my job as a guide, uh, my job in the case is my pleasure to learn the lay of the land I traverse. And that knowledge, anything is a possible. Fear you, respect you, worship you. And she jumps off the cliff and flies away. Yes! And then he starts talking about mutants, which seems kind of out in the ordinary, like suddenly, she, why isn't she surprised that he she knows, or he knows that she's a mutant? He's just like, mutants are the modern gods, Gene. If, if you would not, uh, if you would, would pick up the mantle. And she goes, oh, but you offer, oh man, what I already possess, for I am Phoenix. Now and forever, the power of creation is mine. And she goes, By up. all, that's the holy. <laughs> and then after a little diatribe, she goes, no, this isn't me. It's not what I want. Phoenix is a name, nothing else. I'm a human being. I'm Jean Grey. <laughs> Lord, love a duck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the poor darling psyche more fragile than I imagined, which is more than good fortune than I ever hoped for. With Jean's Grey's corruption comes my total victory over the X-Men. And to make a no mistake, my sweet beauty, you will be mine. And then he turns into Jason Wingard. Because you see in your heart and soul, you already are the Black Queen. Next, Wolverine Hunted. Um... Ugh. In the in the back here, we get a couple of extra pages. We get the classic X Men scrapbook, which is never before seen art from John Byrne and Terry Austin, circa nineteen eighty. I am thinking that this is a failed cover for Days of Futures Past, in no. which it's a sentinel hurling a spike at Storm holding Colossus's looking dead body and another sentinel hand, which looks like it's zapping Wolverine. I, does Wolverine, by does by the time of Days of Future Past, does Wolverine have the new costume? Yes. Oh, okay. Then maybe you're right. The orange and brownish costume. And then the next issue is a Paul Smith-looking uh, cover with Angel hanging from uh, the chains with Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride. Uh, Storm and Colossus going to rescue him. Uh, I want to say that this is probably the cover to a Morlock story in which they kidnapped uh, Angel because one of the Morlocks, maybe Callisto, I can't remember who, wanted to marry him. Hmm. That's just a guess. It could be some other story. But that's those are the two thoughts that come into my mind as I see those uh, not released covers. Kitty Pride is uh, Sprite. Yes, here. he's got her Sprite costume on. Yep. And um, Angel has got his Magneto-designed costume. Yep. In the Defenders or Champions, he's in the Champions right now, right? Yeah. What costume is he wearing there? 
He's wearing his Avenging Angel costume. Okay. And then in the back, you get a... Uh, is this John Bogdanova? No, it's John Bolton. Oh, is it John Bolton? Mm-hmm. And the signature's all scratched out on here. But it's a very seductive, sexy Jean Grey with a kind of a nice silhouetted picture of... Um, Jason Wingard in the background. Yeah, this isn't Jean Grey. This is some skank. <laughs> well, it's a it's a skanky phoenix. It's skank phoenix. <laughs> and, oops, that'll bring us to the end of classic X-Men. I would like to point out that this whole, the basis for this entire story is a single panel in an upcoming issue that I will try to remember to point out when we when we get to it. Okay. I can't wait. Because I'll probably have forgotten about it by then. Yeah. But uh, I have to imagine it takes place during, well, a Jean Grey, Jason Wingard scene. Yep. Okay. Well, maybe, the, maybe I will remember. X-Men! So, anything else, Adam? I read some Avengers issues, uh, 157 through 160, um, featuring Beast. Uh, they fight the Grey Ghost, or a Ghost of Stone, I guess, in Avengers 157, and Beast gets knocked out in three pages. Um, in 158, Wonder Man fights the Vision... And let's see, how many pages does it take for Beast to get knocked out here? <laughs> um, oh, and Graviton shows up. I don't even know oh, yeah, who that... Graviton is. Graviton knocks out all of the Avengers. Yeah, including Beast. Very quickly. Nice. Um, 159... Uh, Graviton gets defeated, not by Beast, <laughs> who does manage to call him Gravy. <laughs> hey, Gravy. It's your old pal Beastie. Yeah. Uh, not for long, Gravy, baby, is his sole line in 159. Nice. And, um, and then in the next issue, 160... He starts complaining about how useless he's been. <laughs> he's, and uh, he starts thinking back about the X-Men, and he's like, the beast expression is that of one lost in memory. He recalls another team, another time. And then he's like, I'm going to go. I'm, I haven't been a key factor in battle lately, so I'm just going to go serve as your janitor. And he starts cleaning up, and then he gets knocked out <laughs> by the Grim Reaper. Wow. What? And uh, then Beast wakes up and gets knocked out again. <laughs> God, he sucks. <laughs> he totally sucks. He says, uh, uh, what is he say? Uh, something about, oh, yeah, maybe I'm not the strong man of this team like I was with the X-Men, but I'm strong enough to uh, get knocked out again. So is it just a running theme in the Avengers now that he's just like a, a not a very effective character? He's not very effective, and he knows it. <laughs> that's the worst it's, it's it's sad so that's all i got okay beast is having a terrible time <laughs> and at the uh at the end he says wondy to wonder man oh jesus 
Is there anything this bouncing beastie can do? And Wonder Man responds, Yes. Just leave me alone here a while, okay? <laughs> and the beast says, That's one thing that this fur-bald beastie can do. He walks away with his head uh, hung low. Sad Hulk music playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. All right, well, uh, I I would personally like to thank everybody who has listened to all 100 episodes. And actually, if you count the uh, X-Men movie reviews and some of the Inside Edition things, eh, we're at least at 105 episodes. But, but I yeah. don't count those. I was half asleep. <laughs> I, I barely remember being conscious for those. I don't even think I saw those movies. I was drunk. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, thank you for joining us for 100 episodes of the Danger Room podcast. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, keeping this keeping this going. It's, it's, it's great that we have fans. It's the super coolest thing. I had totally intended on getting some Canadian rye whiskey, some coffee liqueur, and some homogenized milk and making a uh, fastball special. And what I realized after we got done recording that whole episode is you don't pour eight ounces of this stuff. I mean, that would be like a huge boozy drink and you'd get wasted off one. It's supposed to be a shot. What? Yeah, yeah. I I was making It's a fastball special. Yeah, you would not drink a cup of this fastball special. You would drink no, it as a No, that's shot. why it's so, fastball. So at some point in the next 100 issues, I am going to make the only fastball special recipe that we uh, have collected so far. I'm going to. I'm going to it's going to happen. And I will be in Madison, Wisconsin with this when this happens. I I, I that maybe. We'll see. Well, Next time I'm in Madison, Wisconsin, if you've already done it, you're going to do it again. <laughs> oh, it might become a thing. Like I start off every show with a fastball special. <laughs> and we'll see how bad the shows get after that. <laughs> Jeremy, how many fastball specials have had you had tonight? Uh, I don't know, but the whiskey bottle's empty and I don't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Snick it. <laughs> All right. Well, then uh, we've wasted up uh, enough of your time. So... Until next time, the danger room is closed. Until the next hundred, futzers. <laughs> <laughs>